Welcome to Soul in the City, honest conversations that activate, awaken, and inspire. I'm your host, Catherine Gillies, life and success coach, conscious consultant, and soul purpose guide. I'm really excited that you're here with me. Welcome. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Taurus season episode. Before I get onto the guest, I just wanted to check in with you and see how you're doing during isolation and just touch on the fact that, you know, we're in Taurus season. There is a lot of planets retrograde right now. We have Pluto, Saturn, Venus, and Jupiter all retrograde. So this is really a time of deep internal rearrangement that's occurring within our own bodies and in our thoughts and in our belief systems. So if you're going through a process, which, yes, we all are, you know, you just know that it is perfect. You're perfect. Everything you're going through is, you know, for the development of your own soul. And the deeper you initiate yourself into your own self-awareness and reflection, that the more you will thrive and see your external life flourish. So right now we're in a portal of different time streams. And really the question is, what time stream will you choose for yourself? The power in knowing that you create your own reality is immense. So I'll leave that with you. Now, something else I'm really excited to tell you guys is that after months of feeling not so much creative inspiration, I had a huge download after the Scorpio uh, full moon. And it's called Moon Muse, and you may have seen it if you follow my personal Instagram, Catherine underscore underscore Gillies. But essentially, I spent days downloading this incredible course idea, which is a four-week lunar cycle live immersion with me. So a four-week live course where we'll be diving into the moon cycle, developing an inner standing of each zodiacal energy and, and our deepest needs and desires according to where the moon is and also where our own personal um moon is in our personal astrology chart and how we can step into aligning with nature's rhythms and and really step into that lunar receptivity divine feminine cultivating flow and synchronicity and magic into um, our everyday lives so it came in thick and strong I was so activated and energized it was this feeling like your cells are tingling and you're downloading something so I'm so excited to um get that out to you guys. And I'd love for you, if that sounds exciting to you guys, jump on the wait list. It is in my Instagram bio, or you can jump on the wait list at katherinegillies.com. Links to both are in the show notes below, but I'm really, really excited. And there'll be a discount code early bird offer for you guys that are on the wait list. So jump on there. And I'm so excited to bring that to you. Now for our episode five guest for Taurus season, I'm so pumped to introduce you to Pip Best, the creator of The Conscious Playground. Pip is a multi-passionate entrepreneur. She's a quintessential human design manifester, a big presence with lots of ideas and businesses, and she juggles them all with such down-to-earth grace. I'm talking about, yep, The Conscious Playground, but also Worn for Good, out-of-office, offline experiences. She's a celebrant at in-light ceremonies and casually just a doula on the side as well, you know, because she had all that time. I mean, they say when you need to know how to get something done, ask a busy person. So that's what I wanted to do. Um, In this episode, she was actually a bit of a boss. We recorded it in quarantine and she was in the country. So she drove into the town in order to get reception and sat in her car to record this. So thank you, Pip. Love that. Um, And in this episode, we speak about her growing up as a twin, 
her becoming a doula in order to be at the birth of her twin sister and which she just made at this by the skin of her teeth and she's going to tell you that story it's all about divine timing and it's beautiful we talk about her history and social work and also uh the time that is close to her heart that she spent in africa we also talk about her starting the conscious playground and about all of her spiritual practices and her connection to soul so i think you're gonna love it let me know what you think in the comments and i'll see you on the other side i'm actually like so excited to see you and talk to you because i feel like it's been so long (laughs) see and talk to anybody is nice how's um how's iso going for you it's actually okay i feel like i have peaks and troughs like anybody but it's not that different i was working from home anyway um so it's not that different and now that we're here on ed's farm there's just so much space and um we're riding every day and it's so silver linings for sure where are you i'm at my parents house right now because remember how i remember how i moved all my stuff back there and my plan was to travel this year yeah yes yes (laughs) so here we are and it's really did you have I didn't know where I wanted to go, but I knew because I like packed up my Sydney life and moved my stuff back to my parents so I could be location free. And then I had a couple of overseas trips last year. And then this year I was planning to like just be free and travel. And then all of this happened. So it kind of worked out well because I'm like back here and I don't have to worry about anything and it's good. And did you have flights booked that you have to cancel or you hadn't even got that far? Okay. No. And right. I yeah, I actually had a wedding I was meant to go to in Greece. So they've had to cancel the weddings. And speaking huh. of weddings, <laughs> what is going on for you? So I know. Pip's a celebrant. One of many, many, many things, which I want to like dive into. But yeah, I was wondering that for you because mm-hmm. I've had like four weddings that I've had, I was meant to be a guest at that have had to cancel. And I was thinking about you. How's it? How do you handle all that? Like what's going on? So initially... At the beginning, when things were restrictions were starting to come in, some people were just opting to do a smaller ceremony with just immediate family and still had to change venues and ceremony venue and reception venue. But it actually was really nice, the couple of weddings that I did at the beginning. And then when they brought in the five-person rule, so you could only have two witnesses, that just started, that changed everything because it meant the couples were having to choose, you know, out of their parents, basically, who they would have. And then I think a lot of people like, it's just not the vibe that I want to get married. It's just not, the energy's weird and the time's not right. So um, all of them, bar one, I've had one cancellation and the rest have been postponed. So I've, like everyone, every vendor, it's just sort of been a matter of when you start the planning process again, let me know a couple of dates and I'll do absolutely whatever I can to try and accommodate you on your new date. Um, yeah, so it's it's going to be a quiet six months in that sense. And no one really knows. It really looks like October that it's going to be maybe up and running again but no one really knows and even I thought you know what that's fine um I'll still be able to do like do initial meetings with couples and um 
and get some bookings locked in and start planning stuff for down the track. But no one's even really doing that at the moment, which is so fair enough. I think everyone's, why would you book and pay a non-refundable deposit if you just don't know whether your wedding's going to be able to go ahead? So it's all sort of on pause at the moment. Um, so it's an interesting time. And speaking yeah. of weddings, like congratulations, you got you you got married earlier this year, yeah. just before COVID hit. <laughs> I know we were just saying the other day because we got married on the first of February in the Blue Mountains, and so just after all of the bushfires. So the bushfires had come up to the boundary of the property where we got married, and um, we weren't super stressed about it, but it it was more just that felt like a weird time to get married when everyone was going through so much and, you know, had lost their houses and everything that they own. And then we were getting married and it just kind of felt indulgent. But then because the Blue Mountains had been so heavily impacted and we were using a lot of local suppliers, we thought, no, this is actually great um, for them. So yeah, that was our sort of worry at that time. And now we look back and we really just got in 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 the nick of time i saw um the other day i saw that little clip on your instagram of the video oh yeah so beautiful you guys yeah i should send that to you it was yeah so ed organized that as a surprise um (laughs) love ed because i know he's the best i really wanted a videographer and it's sort of the first thing to go i guess in terms of the wedding budget because they're not cheap and um so we just thought okay we'll pop that aside and then on the wedding day and I had had someone in mind that I really liked obviously working in the wedding industry I had this guy and I just thought that he was awesome just the way that he told the story of the couple and it was really not cheesy and so on the wedding day I was getting ready and my bridesmaids were in on it they chipped in as well and they sort of took me outside and they said part of your presence here and the poor videographer had no idea that it was a surprise so he was just standing there like hi um it was really nice though and then he um yeah he did such a good job and sent it through the other day so it's been really nice to watch that and send it around to all the family it literally looks so beautiful. I feel like, was it really hot that day? Like I feel, was it, or am I, yeah, it was, right? Yes, it was that, I think it was 37 degrees, but which is never, get, so when we first um, booked our wedding, we really did it around my sister who was going to be home with her baby. And Ed said, I don't really care whenever we do it, just as long as it's not hot. That was his number one thing. And the venue said, you know what? you'll be totally fine because where we are, it was in Blackheath, it's always about eight degrees cooler than Penrith. So even if it's 30, 35 in Penrith, it will be fine in Blackheath. And we ended up having the hottest day. They said the hottest day <laughs> in history <laughs> at that venue. <laughs> oh, which is hilarious. And gosh, and I had decided to add sleeves to my dress um anyway it was totally fine it was just really hot um I felt for the florist she was stressing out a bit but yeah it was beautiful 
Well, it looked amazing. I think you guys got in at the right time and, you know, now you can look back and just be like, nailed it, nailed, nailed that timing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, divine timing in the end, really. Absolutely. So um, we've already done an intro in the intro for you, but for people who don't okay. know, Hip, mm-hmm. and I met, um, I don't know, maybe like five years ago, four or five years ago now. And it's interesting because a couple of the guests, well, this is, will be episode five for Taurus season. So the first two guests for, were Clara and Missy, who I met through Pip, because Pip is this entrepreneur queen who does so many things. And I kind of want to dive into that. But before, before we get into like all of the hundreds of things that you do and like mm-hmm. juggle, I think one of the coolest things about you, which people who don't know you won't know, is that you're a twin. Mm-hmm. such a massive part of your life yeah and, huge um and so you come from like a fairly big family too right you're the youngest mm-hmm. so tell me a bit about that tell me about being the youngest in a big family and being a twin I think people are like always so fascinated about twin stuff yes um yeah so I have obviously my mom and my dad and then I have an older sister an older brother and then Ali and I. So we're the youngest. She's, I'm the youngest. She's 10 minutes older than me. Um, and yeah, you're right. She is a huge part of my life and my best friend. And she lives in San Francisco now, which is, makes things a little tricky, but we speak every day and she just had a baby six months ago. Um, so I had, um, I studied actually to become a doula to go over there for her birth, um, which was October nine last year. So that was really awesome. And then um, she had the baby over there and uh, is still there at the moment. She came back for the wedding in February. Um, Yeah, it is. People always ask us what it's like to be a twin and we don't know any difference. So it's it's a hard thing to speak about but it is the best we're really lucky that we're so close and mum and dad have always encouraged that and growing up they always mum was really um, adamant about putting us in different classes and making sure that we sort of found our own way and found what we were interested in and so we did different classes and different sports and had different friends initially we now have the same friends um but yeah she was just really made sure that we weren't competitive growing up so there was never that um we never had any of that between us and yeah and and we went to different primary schools for a couple of years she's super smart she got into an opportunity class um and then was accepted into a selective high school but she chose we chose to go to the same high school um so yeah, went through high school together. We went to uni together, studied different things, but lived at college together. Then we lived in share houses together. Um, and now her and her husband live overseas. So yeah, it's, it's the best. I just, I couldn't imagine it any other way. And I miss her heaps. I actually had planned to go over there. I had flights booked to go over in July. Um, but we, I'll just have to cancel them. I haven't 
done anything about that yet, but yeah. So is it, what's like the, you know, we hear about twin telepathy and that twin intuition and twin connection. Is that real for you guys? Like, have you, how do you kind of, can you feel like a lot of people say that like, if your twins going through something, you can feel it. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's more a product of just spending so much time together and knowing each other so well. I want to, I want to think that we have telepathy, but Ali and I are fraternal twins. So genetically we're just as alike as me and my other brothers and sisters. Um, so Ali actually spoke about this in our wedding speech, some sort of stealing her material, but the way that she explained it, which is so on point is that um, we have spent so much time together and it's, you know, whatever we're both going through, we know that we're never going through it alone. Like I feel her pain as deeply as she does and her joy as much as she does and vice versa. Um, so I think that's more just, yeah, product of being so close and spending so much time together rather than um, any sort of twin powers, even though I would really like to think that we have that. I think it's just a closeness. So when she gave birth, that must have been such a big thing for you because especially oh, like yeah. doing the doula training and, and just also just, you know, you already have nephews and nieces, right, from your other siblings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've got nephews and it's just like, oh, heart burst. I can't imagine your twin having one and you being there and it's just like, oh. Yeah, before I, Ed was driving me to the airport and I had, part of my training, I'd done one other trainee birth, which was really intense, um, a lot of intervention and it was really long and her partner had chosen not to be in the birthing room, which is why I was brought in um, to be the support for her so Ed was driving me to the airport and he asked me how do you think you're going to go seeing Ali in pain which is a really good question and I hadn't really thought about it surprisingly before then and I really thought I'd be fine I said the first birth was pretty full-on but I felt really calm and measured and I drew on you know all of my years of social work and I think that this will just it this will be the same and I just have to approach it from from that sort of that place and but I really underestimated what it would be like to see her um just Ali had a long birth yeah and she um she didn't have any pain relief and it was just a it was an it was amazing. She was amazing, but just someone that you're so close to, going through that, and just and I'm sure her husband was the same. And in the way that I was like, oh, just like you tap out, just let me do this bit. Like I'll take over for a bit, so you can have a re-. you know you really just go into that place where you just want to do everything. You and like just I'll do it. Like. I'll do this for you for a bit and then you can, you know, like, and then we can just swap. It's really, it was really full on. And um, we were awake for, I think, the, I think our labor was about 36 hours or so. So it was a long labor and 
we were tired of, and when I say that, people are like, oh, you were tired. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. And so of course it goes without saying that Ali was exhausted. This is, I'm not, that's not even a comparison, but Mass and I, her husband, you know, it was tiring and it's, and it's, you know, anyone who's been a supported as at a birth would understand you know, the intensity of it. And um, yeah, it was a lot, but the best thing um, I've ever been a part of in my life. And when he was born, it was just the best. And then I left. So I don't know if this story, I'll tell you this story because I, I feel like you would really yeah, appreciate tell it. it. So you would, uh, so I had booked to go over there um, so I was there for two weeks before her due date, one week after, figuring like that three-week period would be fine. I'd blocked that out of my calendar, but I had to be back to do a family friend's wedding and they had booked their date based on my availability. So I was like, I have to be back by that date. I'm sure that'll be fine. First babies tend to go over a little bit, but I feel like that's plenty of time. So anyway, Ali got to her due date and there was still no sign of the baby and she then got to 41 weeks and I was due to fly out when she was 41 plus two so she got to so she got to her full uh 41 weeks which was on Monday and I was due to fly home on Tuesday I was like I'm feeling stressed hearing this And so I was like, okay, I'm, we're going to have, I'm going to push my flight back. And, um, Ali and I had had a lot of conversations about what it would look like if I wasn't going to be at the birth, because it was looking like that was a reality. And initially I thought Ali, me going over there to be a support was sort of just a nice thing to do, but we'd spent so much time together in the lead up to the birth and I was going to her um, obstetrician appointments and to her prenatal yoga and we were just doing so much prep together that she was like, I just can't imagine doing this without you now. Um, so the possibility of me going home was just, and I, and I was like, I've done this whole course basically for this birth like what if I'm not even I can't even be here for it so anyway I pushed my flight back one night because that was the latest I could do that would mean that I would that would be pushing it to Wednesday night it would mean I would land on Friday morning and Ed would pick me up and I'd drive straight down to the wedding savage um yeah so we, I pushed my flight back and Ali and I went to yoga on um Monday night prenatal yoga and we were just no we're in yin yoga doing a position and she rolled over and she looked at me with this face I'll never forget she's like I think my water's just broke (laughs) and I was like okay it's fine because you have heaps of time for when your waters break normally first birth go to the toilet check and then come back and let me know anyway she came back and she's like well we have to go because this is uncomfortable it's on and the the doula um the yoga teacher was a doula as well so she was like go anyway so we went home and I said to Ali um you guys get some sleep as much as you can I was staying in another apartment 
I'll go and sleep. Let's just all try and sleep tonight and let me know if anything changes, but get whatever rest that you can. So that was Monday night. She sort of slept Monday. I ended up going over there Tuesday morning. She labored all day Tuesday. We had to go back. We had to go into hospital Tuesday night because they give you 24 hours from when your waters break. She labored Tuesday night. She ended up giving birth to Otis um, at 12 o'clock on Wednesday at midday. And my flight was booked for 6 p.m. Oh, my God. So, I know. So she, it was wild. So she, um, she gave birth and then I was like, you guys have this time with the three of you. I'm going to go home, shower, pack my bags. Um, I'll bring some food back. So I did that, picked up some burgers and then we just sat in her room, their hospital room for about an hour, just looking at each other like what just happened. And then from there, I got an Uber to the airport and flew home. That is <laughs> wild. Like one day, he was pushing. One day, he was really pushing. And it's funny, that's kind of his personality now. He's just a bit cheeky like that. So yeah, it was just... I, you know what though, it gave me a real appreciation for, I've never really been an anxious person. And that week I was really anxious and I couldn't really talk about it with Ali because the last person she needs is any pressure about, um, when the baby's going to come. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just, I felt really anxious and I, and I I was kind of like, oh, this is what anxiety feels like. Mm. And just had a whole new appreciation for that. I had a whole new appreciation for, um, for women that want to schedule their births because it, even for Ali and Ali is the most chilled out person you'll ever meet. And she was just so over it. Yeah, And she was just so frustrated and um, anxious. And yeah, it was just a lot of little big lessons in there. Um, that's so amazing. It was wild. Yeah that's, right? a, yeah, that's such a cool story. I mean, you know, I love stuff like that. I love timing. I- time timing. <laughs> it's all meant to be. Everything happens exactly as it's meant to be. And sometimes when we're yeah. in the moment, we're pushed to our limits. It's actually really interesting you, you mentioned anxiety because like you're a Taurus. So Pip's a Taurus, we're in Taurus season. And Taurians are like generally like really grounded people. You know, it's an earthy sign. And so it's interesting you say that you, don't, you haven't really experienced anxiety much. And mm-hmm. so... Um, and having now experienced a little bit of it, you have like a newfound appreciation because so many people deal with it on a daily basis. Anxiety is such a real thing. And I personally have dealt with it. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a super anxious person, but I have definitely dealt with bit like spouts of anxiety in my past for sure. And most of it stemmed from like probably being in the wrong career and, you know, all that type of stuff. But um, Thank you for sharing that story. That's really beautiful. And I'm so happy that you got to be there for his birth and for Ali. That's so nice. And then get home and do your wedding for those, the couple. Did they know? Were they freaking out? <laughs> yeah, because that my mom and dad and the bride's mom and dad are best friends. I grew up with her. So it was actually really nice because I got home, I got to the wedding, sorry. And um, we all know each other so well. So it was, it was actually just really nice to be there with them because they know Ali so well and, and Massey and Massey actually was meant to be, um, a groomsman. And it was just, yeah, it was just a lot of, it was really familiar and lovely and, um, yeah, it was nice. 
That's beautiful. So with you, you've got this real like Taurian, yeah, there's a nurturing energy to you. You're a really interesting character because you've got this like fire. You're an Aries rising, aren't you? That's right, right? I'm pretty sure I had a- I don't even know. I think because I've, so. I've done your chart before, I'm pretty sure. So I did the, I think it's Aries rising and Aquarius moon. I'm going to have to check I that. think you're right because I have it saved in my phone and that's yes. just because I always forget and that sounds familiar. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it. I'm pretty good at remembering stuff like that. So um, <laughs> it's interesting. It's an interesting combo because you've got this really like Taurian, grounded, earthy, and that comes through in your aesthetic. So Pip's Instagram, she's got a few because she does a few businesses going on. But <laughs> the one we're going to go with is at the Conscious Playground. And so if you check that out, it is beautiful, aesthetically pleasing, earthy vibes, calm energy very taurian that's like that taurian taurus is ruled by venus and venus is all about beauty and aesthetic and money and self-worth and other things but but interestingly for you um you have an aries rising so that's like the the side of you that would be able to like really get up and go and action things and get stuff done because you're like a little pocket rocket (laughs) gosh well yeah, I don't know about that. I actually heard this thing the other day. I was listening to the High Low podcast and I think it's more um, true for this time than anything else. But she was reading a quote that really resonated with me and it was um, uh, the compulsion to do everything and nothing, mm-hmm. which I think is probably more a product of isolation. But I think also you would know this in human design, I'm a manifester and that my energy is very cyclical. Um, so yeah, I'm either at the moment anyway, doing everything and like, I want to, um, bake and read and journal and make pottery and organize everything and do my admin and then, and then nothing. And then I just want to lie on the couch and, but you're literally yes, describing your, your, cause Taurus, that's what Taurus loves to do. Taurus wants to sit on the couch and eat some food and chill out. That's sure. Taurus. And then Aries is like picking off the to-dos, go, 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 get this done. I want to do this, this, this. So you're that's literally true. like, you, that is you. It's both sides of the coin. Right. Um, and the other thing with Taurus is like, the, like that, I, cancers are generally like the more, I'm actually cancer and cancers are known mm-hmm. for like the, the motherly aspect of the of the zodiac but i find taurians are very like nurturing as well with their energy and um and that like for you when i think of you and stuff and you mentioned kenya i think just before you mentioned social work in kenya earlier um i just love to touch on that a little bit because again people might not know that about you you spent time in africa yeah. and let's mm-hmm. um yeah so i well just a bit of a background so I studied um I ended up doing a master's in rehabilitation counseling and always wanted to go what I thought I wanted to go into drug and alcohol counseling so I started my I say I'm a social work because it's the easiest way to describe what I did um so I started I did some prac in the in probation and parole and um a center attached to Long Bay Jail that was helping Um, people transition to the community after long um, periods in jail and then I moved into mental adult mental health for 
about two years. And then I spent most of my career from there working in youth homelessness. So I worked um, for an organization in Sydney, in Surrey Hills, working in their transitional accommodation service for young people that were kind of moving out of crisis um, refuges or wanting to move away from street-based homelessness and wanted to address any drug and alcohol issues or go back to work or study. So I worked in that program for about five years. And then I always had wanted to live in... um, I always had wanted to live in or at least travel to Africa. So I'd found this organization in Kenya that was running a trip that was um, learning how you could take yoga and mindfulness to at-risk populations. And they were actually bringing over the guy. He worked for the San Quentin prison um, in California um, and they were bringing him to Kenya and he was going to do a program about how, how yoga meditation has worked in San Quentin. So I had just finished my yoga teacher training as well. And I thought this is perfect. This is just sort of a combination of everything that I, that I want to eventually end up doing. So I went over to Kenya, that trip fell through just because there was a, um, a bombing that had just happened in Nairobi and, and everything was a bit dangerous at that time. Um, so they'd cancelled that trip, but they said, um, there's another trip that's happening to climb Kilimanjaro. Why don't you do that? So anyway, I ended up doing a little bit of service work in Tanzania, climbed Kilimanjaro, but I really wanted to do some um, volunteering while I was there. So I got put in touch with an organisation um, called Flying Kites, which is actually in Kenya, about two hours from Nairobi. And they said, um, so I contacted them and said, look, this is my background. Um, I would love to come and volunteer for a couple of weeks. Um, What's the go? And they said, yeah, that'd be great. Um, How long can you stay for? We have volunteers often, that shouldn't be a problem. And so I was talking to a couple of the people I'd was climbing Kilimanjaro with and said, what do you think about, I'm thinking about going to flying kites and volunteering. What's a good amount of time do you think? Cause then I want to keep traveling through East Africa. And they said, look, we've been there before. It's, it's, um, it's pretty rural. Like there's no internet, there's no hot water. You're two hours from the nearest sort of main town. Um, So maybe a week or maybe two weeks is probably a really good amount of time and then just keep going. So that was, that was initially what I had in mind. And I went and um, visited the organization, um, fell in love with it. So it's a, um, at the time that I went, it was more operating as a children's home and school for children, the language isn't the best but this is how they would classify it in Kenya Um, children who are either a single orphan or a double orphan meaning that you've lost one parent or both parents Um, so I um, went there loved it spoke to the founders who I got along with really well and they said we actually have been looking to fill a position for a project manager um, it would be great to have someone in that role with your skill set. Um, we haven't been out, the, the founders live in the US, we haven't been able to find anybody. Does this interest you? Um, 
And so I ended up accepting that role. Um, so that was for a year and it, and it changed pretty quickly. I think I did the project management role for about three months and then that morphed into a director of programs role. Um, and so it was really, it was such a small organization staff wise sort of in the office. It was me and a country director. Um, and so I ended up doing a couple of different things like managing all of the volunteers that came, um, training the staff in a model of care called trauma-informed care, which was a um, model that I was trained in in Sydney. And then um, developing programs for our young people to help them to transition to high school and then what happens after high school for them, which was quite a big... Um, a lot of the kids when I first came there weren't hadn't yet turned 18 and hadn't yet made that transition out of sort of the safety net of the organization I worked for so it was a lot of um, living skills so to make sure that they could budget cook clean go for a job interview hold down a job um, you know make connections network start conversations all the things that you know, if you don't come from a family where that's taught to you, you kind of just take for granted. Um, so, yeah, and then I ended up extending again. So 12 months came around and I extended for another um, six months. So I was there for 18 months in total um, and came back to Sydney. Um, and then obviously... I was back in Sydney and, and really missed it. And it just, it was a really hard transition coming back. I think just going from, yeah, just going from that environment. I'd seen a lot and, um, and coming back to, you know, hot water and electricity and a life of so much privilege was actually really tricky. So I went back there six months later with the thought that maybe maybe I should just stay but you know that trip was really important to me because when I left at high they'd hired a Kenyan social worker and I had sort of handed things over to him and he was doing a really good job and particularly in the community in a way that I couldn't have done um and yeah things were going really well and I just thought this isn't the best way that I can help this organization. The best way that I can help this organization is um, to keep raising more money so they can grow and expand at that stage. They were pivoting and they were starting to become more a competitive boarding prep school, which made a lot more sense than the children's home model. And so what I ended up doing was organizing a group of friends back in Australia to come and do a trip with me. So we all fundraised. Um, that was part of the deal. So everyone fundraised. And then we, I took them over and we climbed Kilimanjaro together. There was a group of 17 of us. Um, and then they came to flying kites and they met all of the kids. And um, we did some work there for a couple of days. And then we had a couple of days in Zanzibar just to chill and relax. And we ended up raising... 70,000 US dollars for the organization so it was yeah it was great and it was that was sort of that moment um 
that, you know, it was just so clear that that's, that's the best way, the most helpful that I could be, you know, not living there and, um, and, you know, doing the work on the ground. I really felt like the fundraising element was more important. So, yeah. And then I, I went back again a year later. I, I sort of wanted to go back every year that hasn't, happened I think I, I didn't go back in 2019 um there was just a lot going on so um yeah that's that's in a nutshell um about my time there and mm. it was amazing I think about it still all the time and the founders I'm really good friends with they came out for our wedding and I'm really glad that Ed, my husband has been there and seen it and met the kids and because it's it's hard for that not to become a big part of your life and it was a real turning point for me and yeah of course especially spending that much time and investing you know emotionally with the kids that you were there with and forming such strong connections and then you know you're going from like poverty and like just hardship and then you come back and you're back in Bondi or you're back in Sydney or wherever you are I don't were you in Bondi at that point when you came back or I was, was that- yeah well yeah I was at my parents and then um I moved to Bondi yeah yeah so it's such a stark difference and it's like hey, it's not like you just forget that whole time you've spent and your heart is just still back there with every everyone you were with and so that of course those transitions are really really difficult um yeah so that's amazing and I think it's also really um it's really self-aware to know how you can be most of service in the world as well and for you to be like hey look I'm actually really good at organizing people, fundraising, getting stuff together, getting money together, getting people hyped to like help and knowing that like that's where I can best spend my energy for the people that I care about in, in you know, another country. So I think that's amazing. And I think you're amazing for having done that. And, um, you know, you continue to do so. But when you were talking, I was actually thinking to myself, like, I can see like an entrepreneurial mind in you, like taking over and like really assessing situations and figuring stuff out. And yes, you've got that nurturing, helping side, but you really do have this strong entrepreneurial mind, which I love about you. So Pip has, like we've spoken about, she's done the doula training. She is a wedding celebrant. It's not just wedding. So you do, it's just celebrant. I don't know the proper yes. term. Yeah. So you do no, like, that's correct. yeah, <laughs> I've done some funeral. You can do baby namings and, um funerals but yeah I primarily do weddings yeah and um, I I haven't seen you um be a celebrant at a wedding but many of my friends have and everyone like loves a pip wedding so (laughs) (laughs) married and it's after COVID hit pip up (laughs) that's so nice (laughs) so you got doula you've got celebrant you've got Um, you've created, where did the conscious playground come from? Like, where did that concept come from? Why did you start that page? And what's it really about for you? That, that, I started that when I moved home from Kenya and I, it, I, it was really just a way for me to talk about or share all the things that had helped me while I was there in the way that because I lived far away from a yoga center or I didn't have, um, I only had reception there in particular parts of the house. So it was just, I was 
you know, doing my own yoga practices and meditation and reading a lot and writing. And so I sort of just all the things that I'd learned about or that had helped me while I was there, I just sort of started sharing um, on the Conscious Playground. I thought that would be a cool platform. And I had become really interested in, you know, living as close to the earth as possible. And um, so that's where that came from. And then I had for a little while on the conscious playground, I, cause as you said, like, I just have, I love things that are designed really nicely and aesthetically pleasing. So I had a little online store there for a while um, with tote bags and, um, reusable coffee cups and then and then it I just that was one thing too many and so I really just have kept it and it's almost now become that's sort of my main account I guess that I'm on most and then that sort of became an umbrella for um the other things that I became really interested in so my celebrancy I also I came from home from Kenya and I was like I want to keep working with people social work is really heavy and it's taking a toll um and I'd listened to a podcast actually that was called it was all about conscious ceremonies Mm -hmm. and it just sounded and 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 what you can do for a couple when you create this container for them um when they make that commitment to marry each other and it just sounded really in a way that I'd never heard it before and not corny and not, um, yeah, not weddingy, if that makes sense. It was just very lovely and pure and raw and real and meaningful. And, and I thought that actually sounds really nice. So I decided to do my course, which everyone thought was crazy because I hated public speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did the course and I started marrying people while I, I I moved home from Sydney and went back into social work but I moved into youth cancer care um and so I started marrying people as well and then um that sort of just grew to the point that I could leave my social work job and by that time I was just really tired and um burnt out so I started um so I had the conscious playground that I was sort of posting on a lot and had my little online store and I was um then I had in light ceremonies so I was which is my um celebrant business so I was um marrying couples and then from both of those things like from sort of starting my own business and navigating my way through that like I remember at the beginning um when I first started marrying people and I had no idea what it meant to invoice somebody or what that would look you know even the most basic things that you just sort of I don't know you just assume that you know how to do it and because I came from a social work background I knew none of that like put me in front of somebody to have a really hard conversation about really traumatic things fine but everything else was just so foreign to me so yeah I had sort of took a while and taught my taught myself how to do all the things involved with the small business and that's where out of office came to be which um is what you were talking about so I 
run creative retreat, work-life balance retreats for small business owners and creatives, really with the idea that just coming together and sharing knowledge and um, supporting each other and getting out of your routine to somewhere new and eating nourishing food and taking care of your body, just what that, um, you know, does for small business owners. Because I remember thinking I would, you know, spend half a day trying to say design a logo or I could have a half an hour conversation with a friend who puts me on in touch with their graphic designer and says, this is how it all works. And that just would have saved me so much time. So out of office really came to be from that, like just let's bring people together and all help each other out and share our experiences. And I remember when you, I remember when you first started the conscious playground, we would go get cacao at North Bondi, um, Orchard Street and we'd be sitting yeah. out the front and you were just studying and all the ideas and 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 yeah and then seeing out of office come to life from from a concept in your mind was like really amazing I have been at both and I'm very grateful to have gone and they are stunning epic like you've put on the best couple of days for these people it's like you you really like um this magnetic core and bringing a lot of people who are like-minded they're all doing different things but they're really um share something in common and yeah like I've made friends for life through there and um so thank you for that but also like every detail is really well done like it's a stunning place um, I'm not sure if you're going to do more and change location, but the, the two times we've been to Salt at um, Shoal Bay, yeah, um, stunning. And the food, Burberry Whole Foods, oh, my God. Like, the detail it puts into these retreats is, like, so incredible. So, like, you really need to pat yourself on the back because everything you've done so far is just, like, so amazing. So just so Thank you know you. that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, they're a little on hold on at the moment for obvious reasons, yeah. but I, I'm it's you know I'm excited because when we can start to come back together again, I think. Well, I hope that out of office will feel more relevant and necessary than ever. You know, to come together and talk about how they manage things with their business and where they're at now and what did they learn and. Um, yeah, yeah, it is just it is just a really nice couple of days. I usually the the couple that I did I did at midweek cuz it's sort of for business owners so they have their own, they set their own hours and it is a work life balance retreat so they it, you know we do workshops on different topics and encourage that as long as rest. So I'm really excited to plan the next one when the time is right. I think it'll just be Oh, really needed. Yeah, it's going to go off. And also, um, I was talking about this podcast last year at the Out of Us Street. You know, like I was talking about, oh, I, I want to do this podcast. I've been thinking about it for ages. It had already been ages. And then everyone's like, yeah. And I was like, who's going to listen to this? And you guys are all like, I'll listen. <laughs> and yeah. so we're a couple of episodes deep. And I think I checked. Um, the other day it's like over 600 listens and like to me that's really exciting just from three episodes like I've just released the fourth one and you'll be the fifth so yeah it's just kind of cool to be with people who are supportive of your dreams and like can believe in you and be like do it people will listen like that was my experience anyway yeah what I loved about 
you coming on the retreats and anyone who knows Kat will know this, but you are just so someone that is in your power and you know your worth. And we were all sitting around doing a workshop one day and we had to go around and we just were, I think we were practicing what our our sort of elevator pitch, which, you know, a lot of us start with, oh, I just do this thing or, you know, really try to minimize it. And it came to your turn and you were just so clear and unapologetic and big vision. And, and it was interesting because we all just stopped and was sort of mindful enough to realize how we felt in that moment seeing you really own who you are and what you want to do and and it was just I still remember that moment from that retreat like it was just it was just huge like everyone was like wow like that's a woman in her power and there's like nothing that's that's it like that's what we're all working towards so I need to thank you for that because I feel like that just shook up the whole retreat it really was Classic me shaking up, <laughs> shaking I, up the room. <laughs> it was brilliant. It was you so know good. Funny? It's like hearing that from you is interesting because that's the perception, right? So I've said this before on the podcast is that sometimes people find me intimidating when they first meet me. And maybe that's it. Maybe because you're just explaining right now, like how you felt or other people felt there. And it's just like there is an innate confidence in me. Um, maybe it's the Leo moon, maybe it's the Leo Mercury that I talk about, but I think like, even though I communicate that way, I still have those fears. Like it took me over a year to start this podcast as an example. So like everyone's going through things in their own way. And that's why it's like really beautiful. Cause like all these, you've created a space for business owners to come together and be vulnerable and share like what they're going through and then have support while doing it. So it's been, that's been amazing. And then, um, You've also just recently, well, when, when did you start One for Good? Tell us about that because that sounds, yes. just, it looks epic. It sounds epic. Like, tell me about that. <laughs> it's just another one of Pip's creations. Of uh, um, yeah, so that has been really fun. We've, it's honestly been in the pipeline. Well, the idea was, you know, years ago, but um, my business partner, Soph and I have been working on it for about 12 to 18 months. Um, so we, Soph and I met, um, volunteering or I was going to a volunteering session that she was running and we just got chatting afterwards and really got along and, and she was in between work, um, when we were having a chat one day and, I was like, well, I've had this idea for a while, but I really don't want to do it on my own because I just, there's, I've got so much other stuff going on and I guess I kind of pitched it to her, which, um, it's, it's evolved now. And she was like, can that be our idea? And I was like, absolutely. Like, please do this with me. And it has been really nice to have, to be doing it with somebody else and bounce ideas off somebody. And I'll tell you what it is. And she's also has a background in the fashion industry. So given it's a fashion social enterprise, it's perfect. So basically what we do is um, we get, we go to brands and stores um, who have surplus or excess stock um, as well as 
ambassadors and people in the fashion industry who have a wardrobe full of clothing, clothing that they're not wearing. Um, and they donate their stock or clothes from their wardrobe to us. We then sell them on our website and a hundred percent of the profits go to our three charity partners. So it's sort of, it, you know, it's, there's so many angles to it, and which is why I love it. Like it's extending the life cycle of clothing. It's keeping clothing out of landfill. It's meaning that brands who have to move stock to make way for new season stock have a way to do that. It means that influencers who get gifted so many clothes, you know, and they can't really be seen to be selling those clothes it's kind of unethical like they have an avenue or a salute like a way to or someone to give their clothes to and it also means this is sort of where it all came about whereas because I'd worked in non-profit for eight years I knew that what charities needed was money so when we looked to partner with three charities you know, I think sometimes, or some people are like, why don't you just give the clothes to those charities? And A, it's because we're really selling high-end designer clothing and that's not what a woman needs when she's just left a domestic violence relationship. You know, she needs the support of women's community shelters, which is one of the charities we support. And what they need is money to continue doing what they're doing. So, um, that's sort of how the idea came about and, and we've been working on that for a while. Yeah, like I said, 12 to 18 months and we're getting really close to launch, which is really exciting. We just won a grant from Tom Organic who have been absolutely amazing and so supportive and really above and beyond what I thought um, they would offer us. Um, so we're probably about a, a month away, I'm hoping. Um so I've just had to go. She's up on the Sunshine Coast at the moment. She's um, with family at the moment. So, um, and I'm here with Ed's family. So we've just doing what we can online and then we'll get back to Sydney soon and kind of do the tail end of everything and get it, get it ready to launch. Um, yeah, it's been fun. And, and we've just had so much support along the way. We have um, Smack Bang Designs, um, do all of our branding and design as part of their philanthropic um, foundation that they just started and they have just gone above and beyond. Um, and our branding is now, you know, we never could have done that on our own. And It looks beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. They're so clever and they've just, yeah, anyone who knows or has worked with Smack Bang would know. They've just been amazing and so supportive and encouraging and um, like hooking us up with whoever we need to be in touch with. And yeah, so we're getting close and it's, it's, we've just had so much amazing support, which has been really nice. So our three charity partners are women's community shelters. That was um Soph and I both have spent, me as a social worker and Soph working for the nonprofit she worked for, have both spent time in shelters and with women escaping DV. And we just knew the ramifications that domestic violence has on women and children. And even more sadly, so relevant now with um, coronavirus. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Really scary, but, uh, you know, 
more time indoors and people that are losing their jobs and drinking more and gambling more and yeah and 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 it's harder to access support services so there's they're um seeing the rates of domestic violence are increasing and services are really under pressure because they have their own you know intake procedures that they have to be careful of with coronavirus so it's a really tough time um for a lot of services out there um so that's women's community shelters then we have look good feel better which um supports women and men undergoing cancer treatment to manage the physical side effects of treatment and then greening australia and we partnered with them just after the bushfires because they're um regenerating a lot of the land um to aid in the bushfire recovery efforts so yeah they all just feel really um really personal to us at the moment and which I think anyone who starts a business knows it's got to be something that's going to get you out of bed in the morning and keep going when things feel really hard or when you have this mountain of work or when you have setbacks or when it feels like other people are starting to do the same thing you just have to have um yeah a really strong reason to keep going yeah, for sure. And I think like you've chosen three really beautiful charity partners there and, and having someone alongside you like Soph is, would be just so nice to create something that's, you know, you can be really proud of both of you. Like that's such an amazing achievement and I'm excited to see once it properly launches, it's going to be epic. Yes. Um, so because we're on Soul in the City, I just want to like ask you a couple of questions about, you know, what what's your connection to soul like what does soul mean to you oh such a good question i feel like i have the belief system that that once like our soul chooses us to come into um so my soul chose this body to come into and live in this lifetime um i kind of feel like I still sit on the fence between things being predestined versus we have control over our destiny or our, you know, what happens in our lifetime. But I kind of think that, you know, and you talk about this in the work that you do, which is what I love is that there is sort of a unique blueprint for everybody in the particular lifetime that this soul comes into this body. And, um, and I think that knowing and understanding that is just the biggest, the most freeing and biggest permission slip you could have is to just learn to understand yourself and your soul and what you're here to learn in this lifetime. And, and because when you look at it that way, all the hard stuff that happens is just, is just, a lesson that's getting you closer to understanding yourself and why you're here. Mm, beautiful. And what about say like spirituality? What's your relationship to that? Would you call yourself spiritual? Yeah, I, I would say I'm spiritual as opposed to religious. I feel I, like we're all inextricably linked. Um, I believe that in a higher power, um, and my spiritual practice personally, 
Um, I've been a Vedic meditator for about nine years, eight, nine years. Um, and in and out of consistency, as you know, it's, it's a twice daily, um, 20 minute meditation practice. Um, so I have, I'm pretty committed to that and I have a pretty committed yoga practice. Um, I've seen your yoga shoes. You can, you can do all these distortion upside down situations. <laughs> yes. But, and as the spiritual text would teach you means nothing. Um, <laughs> oh my God. So yeah, I feel like that's really important to me. I'm definitely my most grounded and connected when I'm, um, meditating and doing yoga and um, it's funny because I I um, I read a lot about that realm and I um, have done my yoga teacher training and meditated for so long and and then I have conversations with my husband who has done none of that and um he'll say he's just so uncomplicated and so clear and solid and and he'll say something which is totally just cuts through everything that i've complicated in my head and and i'm like you're you're so evolved like you're so what i'm peeling back the layers trying to get to you know it's so interesting like some people do all of this work and maybe for me in this lifetime, that's what I'm here to do. And then, yeah. And then I feel lucky that I have him who's just mate. He's already there. It feels like. If I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure like when we were talking about human design back in the day, one time having cacao, I think you were saying, cause you're a manifesto. Did, weren't you saying that he is like quite, like he's got a lot of closed centers in his design. Do I remember that correctly? I, that- yes. I think he's all, he has all closed centers except for one. Yeah. I remember you saying that cause you're really open, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. I have all three closed, the rest are open. Yeah. So I remember that comment because I remember you thinking like edges, knows who he is and he's just like this is how it is black and white boom 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 and you're like open and just like taking it all in and going through the motions and so like you guys together it's just such a great match as well because you're like fulfilling this of each other and interestingly in when you ask about spirituality because when I started doing social work I just wasn't interested in that and and I think the stress of the job led me actually to start meditating and I've had a few human design readings now and I have an open emotional center and my and so the people who have done a reading just say social work is so energetically incorrect for you because you would go into these really full-on environments and because you have that open center, it's just, um, you're taking in everything around you. And I don't, I know that this might be, I know that not everyone has this belief system. So take what you will. But when I, um, was in the midst of social work, I actually had really bad stomach issues and I ended up test, um, getting all these tests done and I was celiac. And, um, and so, and, you know, there is that belief of holding a lot of emotions in your gut or un- and unprocessed emotions that just sit there. And so that kind of makes sense to me in terms of taking all of that in and then 
not really having a good avenue for that to release from the body or you know it's that was interesting so so spiritual you know having those sort of um tools like yoga meditation and human design and astrology the fact that they help you understand more about yourself and how you uniquely operate has just been so helpful and then I have an open under center which you would know way more about but I just listened to something interesting about it the other day where they were saying that people with an open under they're not meant to have um like they're not meant to be decisive or be able to engage in debate and have a clear point of view. Like they're meant to be very open-minded and go between one thing and the other and see all perspectives, which was so freeing for me because I always find myself in that situation. I hate having to have a debate or to have a, you know, particular point of view. That's just so, I, I just see all sides. And so that was just really, um, yeah, it was like a weight had been lifted when I learned that. That's really interesting. So for me, I'm like you, I, I have a, I think you have an undefined emotional center. So like there might be a gate activated, but it's undefined. My emotional yes. center is completely open. So there's no gates whatsoever. Because there's a difference between uh, open and undefined. Got you. Okay, yep. Undefined means that it looks white, but there might be like one or something, like a gate lit up. So when so someone having an open center means that there's no gates whatsoever. It's completely open. Nothing's coming towards it. So you should look and see if that's you. Um, but that's that's me. My emotional center is completely open. So that's like completely empathetic. And co- so I completely get you with the social work thing. So I, I was, I'm also a water sign and I feel things deeply. So there's no way I could be in medicine. There's no way I could be in social work. I It just, I literally feel it in my body. Um, so I share that with you as well. And then the Ajna, the... Um, I have a defined, uh, so which makes total sense, right? Like the way you were describing how I was like communicating. So I have a defined Ajna and uh, it's connected directly to my throat. So which means what I'm thinking I can communicate and it's kind of come straight out and I can say it how it is, which makes absolute sense for me because you know me. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, cool. So just lastly, I want to ask you because, okay, so when we're not in ISO, when you're not on Ed's farm, because I know you're traveling so much, you're moving around. If you follow Pip, she's here, there and everywhere doing weddings when life resumes, that will continue. But you live in Bondi, you live in a beautiful spot. You're in North Bondi. Um, You know, I've lived in Sydney for so many years as well. Um, Bondi always felt, I've lived in Bronte, Paddington, the inner west. I've lived in Blues. Bondi always seems really, for me, always, it's been too energetically intense. Like my nervous system can't handle it. All the travelers, like I love it. I love coming to visit and all my Bondi friends, like they like go there and it's in a bubble and they never leave. And I was in Vaucluse and I'd be like, come to visit you. And then I'd get straight back out. (laughs) Um, So I just want to know, like, how do you stay connected to yourself? You're living in such a hub. Um, how do you stay connected to your soul? Like this, this is about soul in the city and you're literally living in Sydney, in Bondi. It's, it's a lot. You've got a lot going on. Like what, how do you stay connected to yourself and maintain that direct connection? Yeah, I think uh, I definitely can see what you mean about 
Bondi and the more I'm away from Bondi the more I feel that too so it's funny how you just your nervous system kind of calibrates and adapts to wherever you are but I think it's just um I have a few and it's not every day but swimming is every day but a few practices that I just know that make me feel better or make me feel good and I try to do more of them and less of the stuff that doesn't make me feel that makes me feel more scattered and overwhelmed so that for me is my meditation practice um like I said my yoga practice I swim when we can probably three or four times a day um I get up early and go for a walk on the beach or on the soft sand when there aren't that many people around um I I want to say I it's not I do morning pages because I do like you were saying I have a lot I have a lot of ideas um a lot of the time it's sort of throwing things against the wall and seeing what sticks um but as I I do morning pages every morning because it's important for me that all of that stuff in my head is out and on paper and so I'm it's just not I'm not carrying it around in my head anymore and and yeah I think those sort of things and then everything else is those are sort of my non-negotiables and then everything else I um I do when what I can and when I can like going to it's mostly taking care of the physical body like eating well going to strength training or Pilates, talking to friends, seeing my family, you know, my routine, I'm lucky because I don't have, I'm, I'm lucky in the way that I have the freedom because I don't have kids yet. So that's not something that I have to consider. I know that that will change um, as our life changes, but we have, I have the freedom to sort of sit for half an hour or an hour in the morning if I need to you need that extra bit of grounding um yeah I love that yeah and sometimes you know even just calling a friend is just like that's what's going to connect you to your soul you know there's I do would you you're an extrovert I'm an introvert you're an introvert do you think I'm an extrovert well yeah I don't I'm not sure because I don't know how you fill yourself up but I you're so outgoing and you know you can connect with people. You're so warm. I don't know. I just feel that energy from you. That's so nice. I'll probably go home and nap for, uh, for about four. No, I'm kidding. I'm an introvert. I definitely get my energy from spending time on my own, <clears throat> but I can, and I love time by myself. I'm really comfortable in my own company, but I have a threshold. So I like that for about three to four hours. And then I really need to, call someone or to go and see a friend when we could or if Ed's out on the farm I'm like can you come home for lunch you know I'll need something after a couple of hours and then I'm happy to go back to my own time again yeah um yeah I would say I'm an introvert I always say I'm an introverted extrovert because I'm a cancer I love my I'm totally yes I love my alone time but it's interesting now that we're in ISO I've just kind of realized like last night I was talking to a friend and I was saying to her like, all right, I feel like I'm I'm ready now. Like I'm ready to go see people like go, you know, I obviously I'm talking to my friends and catching up, you know, virtually, but it's like, it kind of hit me and I was like, 
all right, I could really do with a, really, like, could do with a dinner. Could do with a dinner, some wine, like, some hangs. Totally. I mean, there's so many financial hardship aside, obviously, for a lot of people, um, and health. There are so many silver linings, just how much you appreciate friends and family and your health and the lifestyle that we have and... Yeah, there's, I, but I was thinking the other day, like the minute we're allowed to do things, I wonder, you know, it was a big adjustment coming into ISO. A lot of people went through a lot having to make changes for that lifestyle. And then coming out the other end is going to be hard too. Yeah, the adjustments. I literally see it like everyone's like, yeah, you can go. And everyone's just tiptoeing out. Yes, (laughs) yes. There's so many memes. Like it's just memesville right now. Oh my gosh, don't get me started on the memes. Oh my God. Well, I am so thankful that you came to have a chat with us and you're just amazing. And you like, I always look at you and I just think, how does she do it all? Like, you know, like a mum that has six kids and is just juggling all their kids' activities. Like, I feel like that's you with your business. <laughs> like, you've just got a lot going on. Uh, and I just think it's really admirable. And because for me, I'm always just like sitting on an idea for so long and then actioning it like an hour. Like, you talk about you being lazy. I don't know if lazy is a word, but just like what, just hanging back. Like for me, it's all about real timing. Whereas you, the manifesto, you're like, I've got an idea. Boom. I want to like see, see what happens, you know? And I just think that's amazing. And that's definitely your Aries rising as well, which is just like, boom, let's do this. So people can really take so much from you and um, from all of the stuff that you share and that you do. So if you haven't, if you're not following Pip, what the fuck are you doing? Go and follow at the conscious playground. <laughs> and then she has all the, the links to worn for good and out of office and everything else in light. So I'm pumped that you came to be here with us. And I really appreciate she's driven from the farm into town to talk to me in her car. And so I just wanted to say thank you. And I love you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome. Thank you so much for listening. You can join the party on Insta at Soul in the City Podcast or check out my offerings at katherinegillies.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit subscribe and share the love by sending the episode on to any friends or family who might enjoy it. You're the best.